We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. All of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the tweets. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, William Branham. Founder of Naked Warrior Recovery and a former Navy SEAL. William learned about the Navy SEALs when he was a Boy Scout in Mississippi and decided that was what he wanted to do. He entered the Navy after high school and after some tactical errors, eventually became a SEAL. After 26 years in the Navy, he retired. At that point, he was struggling with a lot of stress and physical injuries and was using alcohol to cope. When a buddy offered him some CBD oil, he decided to try it. It wasn't a magical overnight transformation, but he saw gradual improvement and he became interested in finding out more. Eventually, he found himself at a conference where he was encouraged to start his own business, creating and selling high-quality CBD products. Naked Warrior Recovery offers CBD products for recovery, specifically for veterans, athletes, and first responders. William talks in this episode about the challenges of military training, especially Hell Week, when he realized that those who didn't quit were not necessarily the most skilled or the strongest. They were the ones that had the right mindset, who didn't let failure keep them down, and who understood the importance of teamwork. He's used these principles for his own business ventures, where he sits down as the five seal secrets. He also talks about the importance of coming face-to-face with your fears as a road to mastering them. Now, let's get better together. William Branham, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. Well, I am super curious about what you're doing over at Naked Warrior Recovery. 
Um, you're a former Navy SEAL, uh, and I have a lot of SEAL buddies, so I'm very much uh, into that kind of culture and like love the corollaries between business and stuff like that. And I always love having interesting people on, and it seems like you've done a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. And actually you're a little bit different guest than I normally have. Usually I have tech people <laughs> talk about tech, 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 and you're going to talk about recovery and mindset and you have products and services, but you've got products related to CBD, which I think is just at the, at the start of how beneficial that's going to be to society. So um, we'll, we'll talk all about that. Uh, but before we do that, as I always like to say, my first question never changes. Tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Well, before I do that, I'm going to say I am the opposite of the normal podcast guest because I am a tech dummy. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> like, I have, like, I mean, I, I bought a Mac once upon a time because, and an, you know, iPhone, I went Apple because Apples are made for not tech people. So, right, right. Um, so yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of a tech guy and I've got people who want to talk tech to me. I'm like, sorry, dude, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I digress, but uh, a little about me, kind of how I got started. So I joined the Navy uh, straight out of high school. Actually, I joined the Navy before I graduated high school because uh, I was in the delayed entry program. I was heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. I always knew that I want to be part of some sort of small elite military mission operation unit. I didn't, I don't think I knew the word elite yet, but, um, I was, you know, I grew up with, you know, in, in, in Mississippi, you know, my, the, the heroes that I had to look up to were like John Rambo. Chuck Norris was in a movie called, uh, Delta force. Oh yeah. John, that movie. John Wayne was, uh, a green beret in the movie green berets in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so those are sort one. of my role models as a kid. Right, and I'm like, right. I definitely want to do something like that. I, I just don't exactly know what it is. Right. And it was at a, like a, on a boy scout jamboree. And one of the, one of the guys from the other troop, he was like, I'm going to be a, an F 14 pilot for the movie top gun. And a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, what's a Navy SEAL? He's like, oh, they're like special forces, uh, but they also do uh, the water side of it. They scuba dive and they blow stuff up and they shoot guns and they jump out of airplanes and all that. I'm like, dude, that's what I want to do. So I uh, came back from that jamboree my the summer of my between my 11th and 12th grade of high school. I happened to be sitting at my grandmother's house and a Navy recruiter called me and said, hey, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, if you called me six weeks ago, not a chance, brother. But uh, um, but I am interested in becoming a Navy SEAL and an F-14 fighter pilot. He's like, <laughs> Come on down. Let's talk about it. Love it. So they showed me a super cheesy movie all about, you know, kind of their recruiting movie about uh, becoming a Navy SEAL. And I was super fired up. I'm like, where do I sign? Where do I go? How do I, how do I get this going? Right, so right. Uh, I, I joined the Navy pretty much, you know, Four weeks after I graduated high school, I went off the boot camp. I eventually uh, became a SEAL. I had some, uh, some, I made some tactical errors along the way that, you know, it took me three years just to get to SEAL training because of some uh, decisions that I made. Right, and, right. Uh, but once I finally got to SEAL training, uh, you know, I spent the next 23 years in the SEAL team. So wow. eventually I got, I got out, I got a lot of baggage. I, you know, started down the entrepreneurial uh, road uh, and uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are on 
the podcast talking about it, which is, uh, <laughs> were you, were you an athlete in high school? I was not, I would, I mean, I played sports, not in high school because my grades weren't good enough. My dad wouldn't let me play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I thought I wasn't really as good as all the other guys. I'm not a, I'm not a team. Like, it's funny. I'm on the SEAL team, but I'm not a team sport kind of guy. I'm not like, right, right. I don't, I don't have that hand-eye coordination that you need for all these other, I'm more of an individual kind of sport kind of guy. And I want to be a team sport kind of guy, but I don't need those skills in the SEAL teams. I need like, you know, leadership and, and different kind of hand-eye coordination and being able to read what everyone else is doing and, and things like that. That's those same qualities that you get in team sports are the same qualities that you really use in the SEAL teams when you're out on a target at night, you know, night vision, and you don't speak, but you know what everyone looks like. You know, if, if you go left, I know that I need to go right. If you're, you know, climbing this, I know how I need to like cover down on, on different things. So, you, you know, we learned how to read one another. We learned how to think a little bit differently than, you know, conventional forces out there. And so, even though I wasn't a, and a lot of guys, actually a lot of guys in the SEAL teams, most of them didn't do a lot of team sports. The highest, oh, interesting. the, the highest um, percentage of people who make it through SEAL training are wrestlers. It's an individual sport. Oh, I mean, really? it's a I team didn't know sport, that. Oh, but cool. it's a, like, it's really like based on individual efforts and wrestlers know how to grind. <laughs> they don't they only know one speed oh, and that's just go. Oh man, you're uh, totally and they don't right. know how to stop. You're totally and, right. And uh, totally like right. I take I you know, I've I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a few years and I hate rolling with wrestlers cuz they only know like <laughs> go. I'm like, "Oh my god, you're Yeah. Okay. No, I, I mean, I'm, it's fine, but I have the same I, I mean, I do I'm beach, I do jiu-jitsu too. So I have the same experience, right? I'm just trying not to get hurt over here. <laughs> Right. Well, see, what's interesting about wrestlers, yeah, like I never thought of it that way because the you know anytime like a, a new white belt to come in, I'm a I'm a blue belt now. Anytime a new white belt to come in, and I'll look at them and I'll be like, okay, a little bit of cauliflower on the ear. Your white belt. I'm like, so what's your story? Oh yeah, you know I did a little wrestling. I'm like, oh great, here we go. Right. This is. Th- Do you know how to go slow? <laughs> And they and you know don't. What? I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you mount me. We're going to start that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just. I don't. We don't need to fight. You, yeah. I know that you're going to get on top of me. We'll start yeah. with me on the bottom. It's awesome. Yeah, just so we can. Yeah, just so it'll feel like okay. Yeah, we're going the right way because yeah, standing. Uh, they're just beasts. Like I, right. I just can't like never. I don't need to bust a knee or I don't need yeah. to get hurt. I'm there to learn and to get in better shape. I don't need yeah. to. Yeah. I don't need yeah. to get hurt in the process. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's the one thing about jujitsu that I like the most is that you can go hard and not have to worry about getting punched in the face. I mean, of course, by accident, you may get it hit, happens, but, but it whatever, happens. a knee, an elbow, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. But it's like, you can go hard and like go hard without worrying about getting too hurt or at right. least for us old guys, you know, with the, <laughs> all the pain, aches and pains, I don't probably have as many as you do, but I can feel it. I'm 50. I feel it. So I, I definitely <laughs> have a few, a few aches and pains here and there, right, but right. you know, kind of going back to that wrestler mindset, the, the wrestler is the guy who makes it through seal training more, more often than the non wrestler. I mean, I didn't know what wrestling was when I joined the Navy. We didn't have wrestling when I was in, you know, in high school, 
you know, the only wrestling I knew was WWF. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, Randy yeah, exactly. Macho Man, Savage. Yeah, of course. Uh, Jake yeah. the Snake Robert. Those were the, like, and yeah. then like I showed up in, in the Navy, guys are going for runs in wrestling shoes. I'm like, bro, what are you, what are you wearing? Yeah. And uh, they're like wrestling shoes. I'm like, you, you like fly off the top rope and like with the, <laughs> you know, the people's elbow or whatever. So, so totally, um, man. That's awesome. So, so, uh, you know, when I finally got to Bud's, and I was in mediocre shape, I would say. I was in marginally good shape, not great shape by any stretch. And because I didn't prepare as well as I should have prior to going. And all these guys that were in phenomenal shape would quit. And I, it just didn't register. I'm like, why are you quitting? Like, you make everything look easy. Like, you run fast. You're super strong. You never get tired. You swim fast. You fly around the obstacle course. You're like, everything is effortless. But what happened with them is, you know, every day, every single day, multiple times a day, you're going to experience failure. You can do everything perfect. You still suck and you failed and go do it again. And, and so it's this, like, it wasn't like, you know, discipline equals freedom. These guys are super <laughs> disciplined. Yeah. They're like, you know, they were, they're yeah. beasts. They, yeah. you know, spent their entire, you know, childhood and into early adulthood, you know, being, you know, team captains and, you know, the prom king and the whatever. And yeah. like, they're like super popular. They're super athletic yeah. and everything has come easy to them. And they've never really experienced failure, failure after failure after failure. And so that was, that was, that was an interesting thing for me to see. I'm like, yo, why are you quitting? Like I'm suffering back here. You're always at the front. I can't understand why you would quit. So it's, it's an interesting, and, and that's, I think part of that wrestler piece, like wrestlers, win or lose, you get out there on the mat, you grind, you win, you lose. You win, you lose. And uh, so they just have a, a little bit of a different mentality. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, that's a really, I did not know the statistic about wrestlers making it through buds. Higher percentage. That's really fascinating. Because, right. yeah, all the wrestlers that I experienced, yeah, I'm quickly on the bottom getting choked out. <laughs> I'm like, right. ah. I just, I'm like, just mount me. It's all good. <laughs> this is, I need this to is, practice my mount escapes. Yeah, yeah, cool. exactly. This, you know what? Take my back. <laughs> Take my back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because I know you don't know what to do. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's the other thing that's interesting about the wrestling, because wrestling's a different rule set. And it's funny because jujitsu, wrestling, all this martial arts stuff, the rules matter. Like that's right. the thing I could I could not quite get a handle on because I got friends that do krav and krav's like kill you. There, there's right. no like there's no competitive krav. It's all about no, just oh, you can't really practice it. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can you just go ape shit on someone go, 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 yeah, yeah, until yeah, they yeah. stop moving. Okay. And then you win, right? 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 You kill them. But um, <laughs> but the, the rules matter. That's the thing. And and I love that you brought up the point about how in sort of that's elite training, like you're gonna fail. They're they're making you fail. There, there, there's no getting out of that. They're gonna be you suck, go do it again. And you're like, what do you mean? I'm on the front. You're like, doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you weren't good enough. You didn't, you're, you're an individual now. This is about a team effort. You're in a boat crew. You need to like work as a team and you didn't work as a team. You worked as an individual. What? But they're yeah. not as good as me. Okay. Make them better. Yeah. And I think that is an absolute perfect point about entrepreneur and startups and being in a company because a lot of people that get into the game are great individual contributors, super smart, typically technical, super smart, technical. And they're like, how come people can't do it like me? I'm just going to do it myself because I'm better. And you're like, that's not your job. Your job's to make right. the whole team better. Right. 
and it's hard to put that into, into practice because I think you're right. Like if you haven't suffered, you haven't failed. And I think you wrestlers suffer a lot because they got to cut weight. <laughs> right. new, I always have a new respect for those guys. I'm like, boy, man, I could never cut. You're cutting how much weight for this competition? I can't even get down my measly, you know, like, <laughs> you know it's just horrible. Um, but the attitude are like that, the rules of the game and the attitude are very powerful. And I like that kind of, you, of course, perform well as an individual and that's fine, but the team you got to bring the team along with you because it's a team effort. Like you can't, I mean, startups, exactly the same thing. Everyone's got their role. If everyone, if you're too far ahead, you can't bring people with you. And right. Really. You know, and, and, and really the first part of seal training is you're working as a boat crew. Almost everything you do, you're working as a boat crew and that's seven guys, you know, one guy's a leader in charge. And then seven guys working together to either carry this boat around or carry this log around or doing something else like that. Um, but yeah, I think the whole team effort, um, moving as a team, of course, individuals matter. Individuals are part of a team, but I think not that you would like bring yourself down to the level to bring people up, but um, it seems like an important piece of the puzzle to bring everyone up with you. I mean, if you, you, it, all companies live or die by the team. It's just right. 100% and, true. And so I, I have a story that I share a lot of times. So when I was in, in, in hell week, my boat crew won almost every single race. And I didn't start off in that boat crew. We started off hell week. It starts Sunday night, you know, chaos and anarchy and races and wet and Sandy and all this stuff. And I noticed that one boat crew was winning almost every race. And that was, I like, I noticed it like Sunday night into Monday morning and into Monday afternoon. No one else noticed. I noticed. And I noticed that my boat crew didn't really want to put out. They didn't really want to work that hard. Like, oh, we got five days of this. We don't need to. I'm like, dude, I want to be in the front. And so we, by Monday afternoon, we lost enough people. They had to like reshuffle boat crews. And I was like, I want to be in boat crew three. I was in boat crew four. I had a guy, a couple of guys that are like, I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And other guys are like, no, keep going. And I had been at, at, at Bud's for six months at that point. You know, six, Bud's is six months. And I, you know, it took me 13 months to graduate. So at that point, I had been there. I'd been injured a couple of times, rolled back. And I'm like, eh, beat it. I don't, we don't, like, I would just the same way when I first started. I was like, no, no, don't quit. By the third class I was in, I'm like, yeah, you don't, there's, we don't need you to be here. You need to go away. But no one else had that attitude, that bad attitude that I had. And so we, we, you know, got in the height line and, and there's it's seven guys in the boat crew. And I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four. And I got in the boat crew, five, six, seven. And, um, and when I got in that boat crew, I looked around and there was no one that was special. There was no like super athletes. There was no like no one that had like exceptional capabilities. Everyone was average. But what was different is they had a, an above average mindset about winning. And, and I would say that you could change out three or four of the guys in that boat crew and have the same effect. Wow. And but it was just like, you know, we were you, you in hell week, you carry this boat around on your head. And anytime it didn't matter where we were, if we started in the back of the line or if we started in the middle of the line. If there was space between the boat in front of us and the boat that was in front of them, we would pass them. And so we did that 
every time. And so the mentality was just like, win, win every race. And so I, I tell people, you know, there's buds is super simple. Seal training is super simple. You either quit. It's binary. You can either quit or you keep going. The other option that you have is you can either when you, as you keep going, you can either be awesome or you can be mediocre. I choose to be as awesome as I can. I'm not always, I'm not awesome, but I try to surround myself with awesome people to like, you know, pull me along. Right, 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 right. No, that's a great, uh, that's a great story. I mean, did it have something to do, do you think with the leadership, like the, the officer or was no. it just? These there was guys? no officer in, in my boat crew. Oh, okay. Cause I know nope. sometimes they assign different like, yeah. So it depends on the class. If you have like the Naval Academy graduates and then they go to, they go to buds. Um, there's a lot of officers in the class, you know, so they put one in each boat crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the heights don't line up. And so they're just in the back of the boat, not really suffering quite as much as everyone else, but they get to, they get to pay in other ways. So we had no, we only had a, a couple of officers in our class. And so none in our boat crew. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. And, and you think it was the, this, the, I want to win. I want to be awesome. My men, my mentality is I'm just going to take advantage of opportunities that I have because like the, what you mentioned about, if there's a gap in front of the guys we're behind, we're just going to go around them. Right. And make uh, every it time. Every time. And I was just like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's go. And everything was, I mean, you know, when you're going to you from one side of Coronado to the other side, you know, it's about a mile and a half to go to eat chow. And it's not a race, but it was to us. Like mm-hmm. everything was a race. Like you don't ever... Don't ever be complacent about anything. Everything is a race to get to the front every single time. Interesting. Interesting. So do you, do you sort of, do you use that same mentality when you're running naked warrior recovery? I mean, is it I try to, yeah. I mean, happen? some of it is, you know, I, I spent my entire adult life in the military. Right. And then I, and there's a story behind starting a CBD company, but it took me a while to like, I didn't like, they didn't teach me how to run a company, how to be an entrepreneur in the, in the military. So since I started that company my, my learning curve is pretty steep. And so there's a lot, there's so much that I still don't know uh, that I'm still learning. And actually, you know, before this call, I was on a, I was on a coaching call with one of my business. I've got two business coaches to help me, you know, learn and, and, and grow this company. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the only thing the Navy SEALs teach you is how to write books, right? That's like, right. Big... Well, I'm working on that too. So, <laughs> but, I, but I, but it's funny. I'm, I'm working on that to, uh, to grow my, to grow naked warrior, not yeah. to like write a book. Right. Right. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my, one of my friends that's in the SEALs, I said, well, you're going to need a publicist. So let's just right. keep in touch. And so when that happens, you know, <laughs> you can get right. your book deal and your movie deal and whatever you want to do. I mean, it's funny because you know, that special operations is sort of this secretive thing, but the, the, the seal, the seal brand is pretty strong. And of course got a lot of, uh, well-earned reputation in it. And just a lot of, you know, been, I probably have done a lot to kind of make the special operations community, you know, a little more visible, but yeah, I always laugh. And it's interesting from the, on the inside, like this was hard for me to do. Like when I got out, I didn't tell anyone that I was a seal still. Yeah. Like one of my business coaches, he's like, bro, tell them you're a Navy SEAL. Cause I actually reached out to him before he was a coach of mine because he put on like his Instagram. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm starting up a new company. I need like 
you know, someone that's badass, you know, alpha that can come in and like crush things. And I'm like, Oh, uh, uh, Oh, me over here. I, I want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and then he never got back to me on DM. I eventually have made friends with him. Yeah. And I was like, bro, what's, what's going on? He's like, well, you, first of all, you should have told me that you were a Navy SEAL. That would have elevated you on my, on my radar, but yeah. you were stuck in my, in my junk mail DM on Instagram. And so it wouldn't have mattered really. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of funny. Like th- there's some corollaries, right? Of course, being an entrepreneur is, I mean, I like to say we're like the creatives or the elites of the business world because we create something from nothing. And that's hard to do. Like, I don't, I don't care what it is. Creating anything from scratch is just, it's borderline impossible. So um, you mentioned that you have a, a couple of coaches. How, how, how has the coaching experience been for you as you're building Naked Warrior Recovery. And of course, I think you're also working on uh, fivesealsecrets.com, which is a, you know, a book and uh, which is also always awesome. I always love reading books like this because the anything that translates over from high performance in one area, I love to see how it correlates to high performance in another area. Um, and so coaching is one of them. I mean, you know, I don't know how much money they put into each SEAL graduate or, you know, must be millions of dollars of training to get you guys to the most elite, you know, one of the most elites in the world. And I'm curious is did you, when you said, Oh, well, I got to learn business. How did you kind of go about that process? What was the way to do that? So uh, before I answer that question, you know, you said, you know, starting from scratch is really the hardest thing to do. And one of my business coaches says, you should never start a business from scratch ah, ever. Smart. You should go and find a business that is doing well and the owner wants to sell it. And then you can even like, it is so much easier finding a well-established business and because businesses are on sale right now. Yeah. And I didn't have that. Like I I didn't know that, but that's just like, that's, you know, I paid a lot of money for that little bit of advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the, the, um, uh, the uh, cost of advice sometimes is very steep. So, right. And you can buy businesses for no money down. Yeah. You just pay, you know, monthly out of the profit from the business to the person selling it. So that was an interesting, uh, an interesting piece. But as far as the coaching side of it, I, in the SEAL teams, if we wanted to get better at something, we're pretty good at what we do, but we're not the best shots. We're not the best, you know, uh, you know, like small arms or even sniper long shots. We're not the best climbers. We're not the best drivers. We're not the best. But when we want to get better at something, let's just say, for example, um, we need to learn how to climb buildings in Iraq in the middle of the night with all of your gear on and everything else. We don't have the tools to do it. We don't have the, the, the skills and we don't have the tools. So what we do is we'll go hire a coach and have that coach teach us, like tell them what we're looking for. And they will put together a program and they'll put together, like, here's a gear list. Here's what you need to do it. Uh, Here is the skill sets. And they'll come out and they'll teach us. They'll teach us how to use the gear. They'll teach us how to use, uh, you know, the, 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 the techniques. And then we'll take those skill sets that they've taught us and incorporate those into our tactics, techniques, and procedures. And in order to go, you know, climb three story buildings in, you know, somewhere Baghdad, Iraq, in the middle of the night and not be heard or seen or anything else until we want to be seen. So um, co- coaching is huge. Most people don't want to pay the money for it, 
but it's necessary at the end of the day, the end. It's like the best, like you're collapsing time. You're collapsing, right, you know, these right. people have experience in whatever it is. So you find someone who's really good at what you're want to get better at, pay them some money so that you can get better at what you want to do. Yeah. Faster. Yeah. yeah. Like learning it all on your own. Ooh. That you can do be, it. It's going yeah. to take a long time. A lot of, it's, lot probably of gonna, time. it's probably going to cost you more in the long run. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the, the reason I bring that up is there's this huge coaching, seems like a tsunami of coaching. And I know this because I get pitched pretty much every day for coaches to be on the podcast. Um, and I have I've had some on, but I I've obviously can't have all of them on. But the thing I love about coaches is the way they promote themselves. And so I tell entrepreneurs, especially software technical entrepreneurs, like, look, learn from coaches how to promote yourself because you have to do that. Part of your job as the leader of a company, startup or whatever, is you're the face of it. Like people want to hear what you have to say. The, your customers are definitely going to want to hear what you have to say. And they want it like you, what you mentioned, I think a little bit before, they want to be able to know, like, and trust who you are because trust is what business is built on. And right. if you can't trust the person you're doing business with, they're not going to do business with you. And hundred percent. I like that. I like that thing about coaches because I'm actually honestly apprehensive about coaching. Um, I, although of jujitsu, of course I have coaching for that. I don't have a business coach. I have a therapist, which is, uh, there's a long story behind it's that. Similar. It's similar yeah. though. Right, right, right. Um, and, and I know as part of what you're doing with naked warrior recovery, um, and this, this, um, movement towards, you know, using CBD for therapeutics, especially in the military. And I know I've read a little bit about your bio about how, um, you know, you, you like me, um, would, uh, make some bad choices on how to deal with things in terms of alcohol and drugs, <laughs> which we've learned from, at least I have as well. I'm sure you have, but t- tell me about that. Tell me how the CBD kind of, how'd you fall into that? Cause it's a, it's a pretty wide gap. <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah, it's, it is. So I, that it's a great question. After 26 years of service, I've got some baggage. I've also got some probably even more baggage from some toxic relationships that I've been in. And so I have all this noise in my head that I can't turn off and I couldn't control it. And so the best way that I could find to to medicate myself was pretty much to drink myself till I passed out every night. Drinking dulls the noise, dulls the pain, whatever it is. And, you know, I was doing this while I was still on active duty. And then, you know, well into when I got out and I was driving to work one day, listening to a podcast. And the guy said something about, Hey, you know, everyone knows about uh, medical marijuana and, and THC, but there's this other molecule called CBD. And it has all these medicinal benefits. You know, it helps with certain kinds of epilepsy and chronic inflammation and people are using for cancer treatment and all these other things. And I was like, I probably need some of that. And it helps with like, you know, stress and anxiety. And so, but I was still in the military. CBD was not legal at that time. Hemp was not legal at that time. So I wasn't going to go down that road. But soon after I retired, it became legal. And I think June, I'm sorry, December, 20th of 2018, passing of the farm bill made hemp legal, legal, therefore CBD was legal. Uh, And then I still didn't try it. But fast forward a little bit, I was in Virginia dealing with some relationship stuff. 
And I had lunch with a, a, a former teammate. And I said, you know, after lunch, I'm like, I'm going to see if I can go find some CBD here in Virginia, because maybe what you have here is better than what we have in Hawaii. I had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, but he's like, you want CBD? I've got some at home. So we went back to his place. He gave me a bottle. And, you know, I took it that night and maybe I was a little less pissed off in the morning. But what I noticed, so I just took it every night. I didn't, I didn't notice anything substantial right away. What I noticed at the end, like when I ran out of that bottle is, you know, I like to say water boils at 212 degrees. I was probably living at 210 degrees and taking CBD. I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190. Like my fuse just got longer. Like it took, you know, anytime those triggers came in, it took a little bit longer to hit that boiling point. So uh, I also, you know, you can't tell, but, you know, through the veterans affairs, I'm hundred percent disabled, which means I'm you know, if you add everything up and they still don't have all of my injuries on record, but uh, if you add everything up, I'm 250% disabled. If you just <laughs> go, you know, one plus two plus three plus four right, 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 uh, right. across wow. the board. Wow. But so I got a lot of aches and pains and injuries. And what I noticed is those sharp pains that I experienced every day, they weren't quite as sharp. They were a little bit duller mm -hmm. and it's still pain, but it's just less. So that was quality of life increase. And I noticed that I was drinking less. And so I, you know, I ran out of that bottle and then I started getting closer to that boiling point and pains started getting a little more. And of course I started consuming more alcohol again. And so I'm like, maybe there was something to that. I don't really know. So I, I'll try a different brand. And I bought some and I had similar results. And then now I'm like super interested in the CBD industry. I, I want to be, I'm like, I want to be a part of this. I don't really know how to get started. And I happened to be at a, at a, uh, a business symposium, a business conference that the guy who gave me that first bottle of CBD was a keynote speaker. So I got to come as his VIP guest. And I met someone, there was a girl there that was putting CBD into kinesiology tape. And, and I, she was like trying to figure out how to market that the best way. Cause marketing CBD is not an easy thing to do because all. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, everyone calls it an illicit substance. Therefore they will not allow you to market it, pay for marketing. Uh, before I started naked warrior recovery, I didn't have a Facebook account. And they've deleted three of my Facebook accounts while trying to market CBD. They take my money. Don't you worry. They took my money, yep. but uh, they, they deleted those accounts. They have deleted two Instagram accounts. So I'm very careful about how I put it out there. I certainly don't boost anything. Yeah. Uh, so I have to be a little more technical. I have to be a little more um, creative in how I, in how I market, but uh, so going back to that business conference, uh, after, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of Q and a was over, I like tracked that girls down and I found her and I followed her and I was like, Hey, you're the CBD girl. Right. And she was like, yeah, weirdo. Why don't you step back? <laughs> uh, I'm like, sorry, I don't mean to, but I'm, I'm, I'm super interested in CBD and I want to talk to you about it. And she was like, okay, do you want to do A to B, B to B, B to C? I'm like, I want to do CBD. <laughs> so, um, and so we talked a little bit more and she was like, why don't you start your own CBD company? I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And she said, she leaned in real close. She's like, you're a Navy SEAL. Go figure it out. I was ah. like, okay. Can May I please have my man card back? And can I have your number so we can talk about this a little bit more? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> that's a keeper right there. Wow. So, uh, so, uh, so I started looking into the, into the CBD industry and I found that it was dirty, dirty, dirty. Like there were very few quality products out there on the market so much that, you know, the FDA has gone out and done a ton of 
spot checks like thousands of companies at this point. And they found that most companies, more than 75%, either don't have CBD in them, they don't have the amount of CBD they say they have in them, they have high levels above the point. 3% THC mm-hmm. uh, amount. They have high levels of heavy metals, mercury, arsenic, lead, things like that. And that's because CBD is a bioaccumulator. And that means it pulls all the good stuff out of the soil and all the bad stuff out of the soil. And it's such a powerful bioaccumulator that they're using hemp at Cher- Chernobyl to clean the radiation out of the soil. And yeah. like, you don't want, I'm sure you don't want any like uh, Chernobyl CBD. <laughs> no, 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 no. Glow in the dark. Yeah. So as I kind of went down that road of like learning about the industry and looking at suppliers and things like that, I found that I, I, I tried to find the highest quality suppliers on the market and I, and I went and partnered with them. And the difference between the, the quality that we produce and the biggest names in the industry, you know, we, everyone, most high quality products, biggest names out there, they do an independent lab third-party test of the oil when they extract it from the plant. Mm -hmm. They don't ever test it again. We do that independent third-party lab testing of the oil, and then we turn it into whatever it is, either a tincture, a gummy, a soft gel, a topical, an energy drink, whatever it is. And then we test the final product. Mm -hmm. And then that final product goes, you know, we make that COA available for everyone to see either through a, a QR code on, on the bottle or on the website. Uh, you can like pull up the, the lot number and you can see exactly, exactly what is in the product that you're either consuming or putting on your body. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I looked at that uh, a little bit before we set this up or when we set this interview up and I was pretty impressed because yeah, it's hard to get, you know, some data on like, what is this stuff? And what's right. the, you know, it, it, and it's such a wild West show that people are, they're catching up. The regulatory stuff's catching up. I mean, it will catch up and then the, the bad players will go away because you can never right. do business that way. I mean, it eventually people find out like it catches up with you. It's, but there, you know, there's some really big companies out there. The FDA has come and they've sent cease, cease and desist letters to companies that are making um, unethical medical claims about yeah. CBD. Like, yeah. Hey, you can't like, I'm like, what you said, what? <laughs> yeah, um, like, that. Oh, this cures cancer. And this does that. Yeah. And this, you can't say any of that. It's not because it, there's no, there's no evidence. Yeah. You know, there's anecdotal evidence. Uh, you can say that CBD feeds your endocannabinoid system, which is a giant neuroreceptor in your body. That's connected to every other system. Like your, your central nervous system, your immune system, your digestive system, your lymphatic system. It's connected to every system. Then why CBD seems to be this panacea that cures everything is because, you know, you may have like some systems that are out of balance and it's pulling everything else out of balance and that's causing like chronic illness. But CBD is like, I call it a super multivitamin for your endocannabinoid system. And it helps bring everything back into homeostasis. So your body really kind of helps heal itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, my first real experience with THC and CBD um, was this stuff called Rick Simpson oil. And Rick Simpson oil, for those of you that don't know what it is, it's a highly concentrated extract um, that a lot of people have used to try to cure cancer. And um, the reason why I'm familiar with it is because my wife, Jane, had leukemia. And towards the end of her life, uh, we were trying to figure out everything we could do to cure her. Obviously, she had a bone marrow transplant and chemo and it didn't work. 
Um, and some people had brought up this whole, hey, you need to do this Rick Simpson oil. And it's basically like a very concentrated um, extract of, of cannabis. And there had been some anecdotal studies. People are like, oh, it cured my cancer, right? Yeah, okay, you can't really, that's not clinically proven. But what was interesting is when she was at Stanford getting her bone marrow transplant, and even at Kaiser, which is a local, uh, pretty big national one, uh, we asked um, the nurses and the doctors, hey, so this whole uh, marijuana thing, you know, what do you guys think? Um, it was shocking because they're like, well, yeah, yeah, you definitely should do it for um, helps your mood. It helps your uh, appetite. Um, we found that it helped. She had this stuff called uh, like her nerve endings in her fingers were tingle a lot. I don't remember the name of it, but it was really painful because what chemo does is it pretty much kills everything that proliferates. And so she had it's neuropia. She'd have neuro neuropia and it would just like, just imagine pins and needles on all of your extremities. And it was just horrible. And the, she had a mix of CBD and THC um, and that helped a lot. It helped her appetite. Uh, and I remember, yeah, we would, uh, we got our mar medical marijuana car. <laughs> it's just like, that's what it was back in the day. But I, I found it so fascinating because I kind of looked all some of this stuff up because people are like, Oh, you got to worry about like overdosing on, you know, cannabis. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's like impossible. Like the LD, the lethal right. dose 50 for cannabis is <coughs> in the pounds. It, it, right. It's not even in the, like, you'll pass out before you, before you die <laughs> for sure. Um, and I'm curious how, how, how have you seen the evolution of that? Because, you know, as someone in the medical system, this was, you know, this was 2016, um, which in California where I am, you know, medical marijuana had been around for a couple of years and they were starting to, you know, figure it out to, for recreational use. But the shift in the medical community seemed like at that point, I'm like, I'm surprised that they said we could do this because like traditionally it's been like poo-pooed and bad and, you know, yeah, that's just, you know, reefer madness type stuff. Right. Sixties. How have you seen the adoption of it? I mean, I would say just look at any street corner in America it doesn't matter where you are in wherever Mississippi or Tennessee, there's a CBD shop yeah. on almost every corner yeah. or in gas stations. Like it's becoming very mainstream, but kind of think like, but remember what I talked about earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's still wild West and it's still some sketchy people out there. It's cleaning up, but it's still pretty, you know, be careful what you what you get. And, you know, someone asked me about a year ago, they were like, what's the difference between your product and the product I can get in the gas station down the street? And I wish I had come up with the answer, but it was a guy standing next to me. He was like, so uh, what do you think the difference is between the, the, stu the sushi that you get in the gas station down the street and the sushi you get in the, in the sushi house across the way? Like, yeah. do you really want to roll the bones with gas station sushi? I was like, oh, that is beautiful. I would, that is, it's true. I've it's totally it. true. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome line. Yeah, you got to like definitely pat that guy on the back because it's true. It's true. And I, I think you're right. I think I can't, I can't see it going back backwards. I mean, even federally, 
And, and the mostly it's because of THC, which is for those of you that don't know, that's the hallucinogenic. That's the one that gives you the high, you know, they normally would say, you know, depending on who you talk to, like the THC to CBD concentration, you know, that that's the head high or the body high or whatever. But I, uh, I think it's going to be coming more and more because the cannabinoid system, as you mentioned, it, it connects everything, but there's nothing on it. That's like critical to your survival. Like it doesn't regulate your heartbeat, doesn't regulate your breathing. So that's why you can't overdose on it. And it is a very powerful, um, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory, which those two things from an aging perspective, anti-inflammatory and anti, um, oxidant are very powerful. Um, especially for cancer. That, that was one of the things they thought the reason why Rick Simpson oil was powerful for cancer because cancer is a metabolic disease. And they're thinking, well, if you've got all these things floating around, it sort of quote unquote cleans it up, but they could never get the mechanism right. And the amount of this Rick Simpson oil you had to take was legendary. I mean, like talk about a, like a hero dose. I mean, she couldn't eat the stuff fast enough and she'd just sit there like, Oh my God, am I high? And I'm like, yeah, well, it says I got to give you like grams of this stuff. Not, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, was, wow. You know, and, and we could, you know, she ended up dying, unfortunately, you know, which was just another reason why your story about dealing with challenges resonated with me because I had to, after that was a pretty for sure horrible experience. Um, but I, but during her sickness, I used a lot, I used a, a mixture. I had a vape pen that was like three to one CBD THC so I could sleep. And boy, that was just a lifesaver, absolute lifesaver. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just fascinated by this because I think you're right. I love the gas station sushi versus restaurant sushi analogy because right. it's a wild west. Um, and so, so you're, Basically, I mean, you're getting in new into this, like this is a relatively new kind of market. And so I'm curious, what, what advice would you give or what questions should like an entrepreneur, like the next generation of entrepreneur coming up, ask themselves when they're faced with something like this? Because this is, I mean, you've been doing this a couple of years right now, right? right. Um, I, you know, I, I launched my website March 1st of 2020. Some other stuff happened right around that. Time. I don't exactly, remember what it was, but it yeah, was something I'm like curious. something. Uh, very curious. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we're for, going to need a lot more of CBD. After right. That. Exactly. So for me, and and so there's also this, you know, if you build it, they will come. No, they will not. They don't know you exist. So you have to like let people know that you exist. Um, I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot what it was. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say is that you know. Yes, I'm in early on the CBD train, laying a foundation. And I like from the day that I got into it, I felt like I was behind. I still feel like I'm behind. I'm like, oh my God, I will never catch up. I have to just keep working and grinding and going in order to to try and catch up and you know be one of the bigger names in the industry. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way. But um, but yeah, hmm. gosh, so fascinating. And maybe that's artificial uh, pressure, and which I'm okay with. I'm totally good with, you know, I wonder artificial if that's pressure on myself. No, well, I wonder if that's from your time being a SEAL. Maybe. Or maybe just your personality. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea. It's, it's an interesting trait, though, because I have seen, 
or I've talked with a lot of entrepreneurs and they have a similar attitude about like, I'm the one motivating myself to do this. I need to continue. Like no one's telling me I'm doing a good job. Everyone thinks I'm an idiot. Everyone thinks I'm going to fail. They're like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Go get a corporate gig or whatever. I hear this all the time. Like, what do you do for a living again? You know, you're like, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, well, do you make any money? What does that mean? Yeah. How do you spell that? Yeah, 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 exactly. How do you spell that? Um, And the ones that I found that have stuck with it have got that internal drive where they're driving themselves or doing it for a good reason. They've got a very strong why, very internal compass that just says, I am just going to drive this forward until I can't drive it forward anymore. Um, that I, I think, think is, some of that is sort of the, the this get naked mindset that I that I came up with. Yeah. Um, and this was, you know, I say that CBD is a, a modality that helped me kind of turn the noise down, but that was only a part of it. It's not the answer. It's not a cure. It's not a magic pill. It doesn't whatever, but it did help turn the noise down. And then I had to have, you know, work on good self-talk and positive self-talk in order to like drive, drive forward. And I can kind of talk about what, what get naked stands for. And I actually have a keynote to, that I give it at, at, at companies and, you know, it's an accurate, so naked is an acronym and the N stands for never quit. And I don't mean like never quit smoking or drinking or porn or drugs or whatever your vice is. It means never quit on yourself. Never quit. If you've started a, a project, a program, you have a goal and it was worthy to start, it's worthy to finish. Mm. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have like hard times, but there's a trick to that. The trick is, you know, in SEAL training, we had uh, Hell Week, which is the most uh, famous week of all military training. Five and a half days, you're cold, wet, and miserable. But there's one thing that's constant no matter what is they feed you four times a day. So no matter how terrible, uh, how miserable you are, all you have to do is make it to that next meal. Pretty soon, they're going to pull you out of that frigid Pacific Ocean. It's frigid, by the way. And uh, you'll stop jackhammering because you're going to put that boat back on your head and you're going to run to the chow hall and you're going to have a meal. And so no matter how bad it gets, you, you know, just make it to that next meal. So in your projects and plans and goals and what have you, you just chop those things up into bite-sized pieces, things that you can focus on once, you know, during the day, focus on that one thing, finish it. Now you've created a small victory and you can move on. The A is accept failure because failure has been my biggest teacher I would, I would argue that um, I, would, I would not trade the lessons I've learned from failure for $100 million ever. Wow. Because, because then I wouldn't, like, I would have to start over. Yeah. Like, but most of us, and this was kind of going back to like, you know, these, these, these top athletes that were, were, were failing when they were not really, but they were told they were failing. It's like, you have to accept that failure. And if you kind of think about, um, like real world examples of failure. Just look at Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player of all time. He's missed more than 9,000 shots in his career. He's lost more than 300 games. He's missed more than 30 game-winning shots. Win or lose, no matter what, he didn't go celebrate with the team. He always came back and he would practice those shots that he missed. And uh, so he, by the way, Michael Jordan also went and found a coach, yeah. Tim Grover. Yeah. Like the, the greatest in the world can always get better. Go find a coach. Uh, let's see, accept failure. Oh, so Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, both icons, both fired as CEOs of companies that they've started. E, uh, Thomas Edison discovered 10,000 ways to not create the incandescent light bulb. Yeah. So accept your failure. K is kill mediocrity. We got, you know, you can hit a button on your phone and have ice cream delivered to your house in 30 minutes or less. So social media scrolling, we, we find excuses to not accomplish our goals for the day to not like better ourselves. So 
But most of that is your ego getting in the way. And if you can compete against your ego and win, compete in kindness and win, compete in generosity and win, just be compete. And it doesn't have to be like on the sports field or wherever. It can be, in, like I said, kindness, generosity, and love, whatever it is. Be the best at whatever. Like doing that, you're going to kill mediocrity in your life and you're going to improve your life and you're going to improve the people around you. The E is expose your fears. And I don't mean fears that, you know, lions and tigers and bears or snakes and spiders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, those, those fears, those noises, those thoughts that live in the back of your brain, deep down back there that you don't want to share with anyone. You don't want anyone to know about. You don't want anything, uh, anything to do with that. And these are the same thoughts that when you're driving in your car by yourself, they just come out and they totally consume you or you're late at night. You know, there's no one else around and you're like, you're, these thoughts come out or they wake you up in the middle of the night. Yeah. So when the, when the demons come, yeah. Right. And so you have to, so I look at fear, uh, like it's a, like a vampire. So vampires live in the darkness and they suck the life out of you. These fears live in the deep, dark part of your brain and they suck the life out of you. But how do you kill a vampire? You expose it to sunlight. Mm -hmm. How do you kill these fears? You expose those fears. And there's, you know, lots of different ways to do it. Some of it is, you know, through therapy, therapy, other ways, uh, you know, you can go, do the things that scare you. But one of those ways is, you know, one of my business coaches and a friend of mine, he says fear does not exist on paper. So what he'll do if he's driving along and he starts getting stress and anxiety, all these fears coming out, he'll pull over to a Starbucks, get a cup of coffee, and he'll take a pen and a piece of paper and he'll write down everything that's bothering him. Because there's something scientific or magical, I'm not sure what, from the brain down the shoulder, arm, and yeah. onto that piece of paper. And 100%. once you look at what's bothering you, like you read it, maybe you read it out loud, maybe you share it with a friend, maybe not, but you've just exposed that fear. Now you control the fear, the fear no longer controls you. Now, this is not a one trick pony, you'll have to do this probably many, many, many times. But the more times you do it, the better uh, results that you'll get, you'll be able to, you'll be able to control your fear better. And you know, I think Mark Twain said something like, uh, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of fear. Exactly. So once you learn to control your fears, your fears will no longer control you. And the D is to do the work. And, you know, YouTube and instant gratification, people don't want to work. We have this idea of entitlement. I'm entitled. I should, I, whatever. Yeah, I You're entitled see. to nothing. There's I no see. entitlement in this world. Right. And so uh, if you want anything out of your life, if you want to be not mediocre, you got to do work. If you want to be awesome at anything, you got to do the work. I mean, it's just like what I was saying earlier in steel training in hell week you know, you can either be mediocre in your, uh, you know, doing these races, or you can be awesome. And we chose to be awesome. And so that requires work. So kind of the get naked mindset is, is never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. And you can get a copy of that at five sealsecrets.com, the number five S E A L secrets.com. And, uh, just put your email, your name and email in there. And I'll email you a, a, a PDF of, of five seal secrets. Cool. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you about, oh, so that's the five seal secrets. <laughs> that's it. You got it. And the, and the, the secret is naked. Get naked. <laughs> Get naked. No, I love that. I love that. And but there's a lot more in that PDF. And I tried to like, I know we're short on time. So I tried to like get through it really quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's good to have like a little teaser on it, you know, because um, I love, well, I love acronyms and I love ways to remember things because I think there's so much, as you mentioned, there's so much noise in the world. There's so much distraction. People don't want to do the work. There's a lot of this entitlement. And, you know, a lot of people like don't like to talk about that. They think, 
oh, we're just a bunch of Neanderthal kind of guys that, you know, throw, you know, choke people out in jujitsu. You're like, you know, you're the more Neanderthal than I am because you've been in the military. <laughs> you know, I'm just an intellectual knuckle dragger that enjoys that kind of stuff too. But I think it's a really powerful message. Like the world does not owe you anything. You need to put the work in. You don't deserve anything. And, and the only thing you can control is the effort and not the outcome. Sometimes things don't go your way. And I like the fact that, you know, you kind of address all of those. I just and that, so I, I had, I had dinner uh, two nights ago with a, a buddy of mine. He's a clothing designer for a, for a, a company here in Denver. And I shared these five seals. So he was kind of struggling. We, you know, we connected and I'm like, here, just go to this and, and download the thing and read it and give me your feed. Just give me your feedback. And so he, you know, he, he downloaded the, the PDF he printed it out, he read it. And the next day he had a meeting with his CEO, which he was kind of like kind of button heads with a little bit. I mean, the CEO hired him because of his skill set, but they're like button heads because they're, you know, they've got some VC pressure. Yeah. And so my buddy went in and, and not talk confrontational at all ever. And he went in and he was like, listen, I am afraid that I'm not going to be able to perform at my, my best level for you. And his, and the CEO was like, whoa, are you? What are you doing? Why are you talking to me like that? Why are you being truthful? No one does that. And he's like, my buddy wrote this thing. And he said, expose your fears. And I'm exposing my fears to you right now. And so they kind of worked out whatever their, their deal was. And then they, um, and then after the meeting, the CEO was like, can you send me a copy of that? And I guess he shared it like throughout the, the company, which was pretty cool for me. Uh, now I just need to reach out to them and maybe do yeah. some, uh, do some, you know, speaking, maybe come in training. and do some speaking, yeah. maybe some tra- some coaching. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's funny you should say that because uh, that is a very powerful thing. There's a guy named Chris Voss. I don't know if you know who he is. He he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He was an FBI hostage negotiator, and he's been on Rogan and he's been on a bunch of other pods. And just this guy is like wisdom. And just, he's just really good guy. Very well-spoken. His book is awesome. But one of his things about negotiation, the reason why it's called never split the difference is because um, in hostage negotiation, you can't really split a hostage. (laughs) It's like, this shit ain't going to work. We got to figure out how to resolve this peacefully or we're sending in guys like you with guns to go, you know, get this. Like, we don't want to send Williams. (laughs) And like, we don't want the door kickers yet, not yet. Um, but his, 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 his main negotiation weapon, and he, he says this for, um, for businesses as well. He's like, understand what they're concerned about. Understand the fear. He's like, it's all about understanding, like the deal is the deal and you're going to work together, but it's like, understand what fear they have and also what fear you have. And, and he said the best, and one of them, and I may be paraphrasing but he said the best negotiation tactic was to put was to do exactly what your friend did. This is what I'm afraid of. How can we resolve it? Not the money, not the deal. He's like, I'm afraid you're going to like, I'm afraid I will not be able to perform for you. And this is going to end badly. And it's magic. He's like, that's the magic because we are trying to, to mitigate the fear of failure of the deal going sour, whatever, but we're trying to like, what are you worried about? Like, he even said, just say, well, what are you worried about? Like, how can we just, let's just figure that out. And even in business in life and hostage negotiation, apparently that's the way to go. <laughs> right. So 
I love it. I love it that you picked up on it. Well, William, you be, be a little bit truthful, a little bit vulnerable. It's all good. Yeah, no. And you know, <coughs> this has been such a great conversation, William. I really appreciate it. And I just wish you all the best of luck. I think again, CBD, cannabinoid stuff, medical marijuana, marijuana in general. I mean, you know, the next one is psychedelics, which is a whole other topic <laughs> we could talk right. about a lot for what forever. Um, but yeah, appreciate your time. Stay safe. Awesome. And, uh, Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Anytime. Thanks, William, for being on the show and for your service. I am a real big fan of what you're trying to do. And I know for my own personal use, I found CBD to be very helpful for the aches and pains that I uh, do during jujitsu. So uh, thanks for the insights. Now, as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from William. Marketing is key. Don't believe if you build it, they will come. You have to let people know you exist. And I always say this, right? Half the battle is building the product. The other half the battle is making people actually care about it and or want to buy it. So yeah, great, uh, great advice there. Break it down into smaller parts. Focus on the next step in your journey rather than the big goal at the end. So yeah, I love this uh, attitude as well. Um, breaking things up into little steps or you know, what's the next little thing I have to do? Not going from like A to B to C, but going A to B to Z or A to B and then how do you get to Z, but always be going step, step, step towards the bigger thing because uh, it can be pretty overwhelming, <laughs> as you may know, if you've done this sort of job before. Lots of stuff to do and sometimes challenging to get it all done. So incremental, baby steps, take it a piece of time. Do the work and resist distractions that pull you away from your focus. Aim to be the best at what you do. So this is important as well. Um, you know, Be the best at what you can do, but then also... Find coaches and people to teach you the things that you don't know. I think one of the things William mentioned is that Navy SEALs aren't experts in everything, but when they need to go learn something, they go find a coach, they go find the best people at it, and they go learn it. So something that definitely to think about also coaching to get you up to speed quickly so you don't have to make the same mistakes everyone else did. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with William. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.